Spartans and everybody else. This is Joe DeSena, founder and CEO of Spartan. This is the Spartan Up podcast. This is where we rip you off the couch, take the Netflix away. We become your resiliency and grit partners. We basically give you a kick in the ass every single day. Tune in. You can go to iTunes. You can check it out on YouTube. You can find us everywhere. Spartan Up podcast. We get you moving. This interview is unbelievable. Marco Cassetto, a friend of mine. I filmed him a few months ago. We had him up on the farm. He's got an unbelievable story. He came from Kenya, went to Alaska. Hard to imagine um, the difference between Kenya and Alaska. I, look, I don't want to tell you too much about the story. All I'll tell you is whatever you're going through today, whatever we're all going through today, across all corners of the globe, where we're losing our minds, we're contained in our apartments and our houses, we're nervous, we're fearful, you listen, you watch this podcast to Marco, it's going to change your entire frame of reference. You're going to come out the other side saying, you know what? We don't have it that bad. So stay tuned and comment. Comment as you're watching this. I want to hear from you. Check this out. Marco Cicetto. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Fresh Meal Plan. Deliciously prepared meals delivered right to your door. Visit freshmealplan.com spartan and use the code SPARTAN50 to save $50 on your first two weeks. I've got the ancient kettlebell. I've got Mark Cicetto. He's basically, he, you are the fastest double amputee on the planet. Yes, I am. And um, how did that happen? Like, how did, how did you, were you born? Double amputee? How did this happen? No, this is acquired. I lost my feet um, eight years ago in Alaska, frostbite. Eight years ago? Mm-hmm, 2011. How old were you? I was 28. I went to University of Alaska in 2008 for athletic scholarship. In 2010, I convinced the coach to recruit my cousin, who was a good runner, to come to University of Alaska Anchorage. Came there, 2011. He committed. 2011. So you guys were on a track. 2010 here. is when he came, and 2011, he committed suicide. Wow. Yes, we ran together in the truck for one year. So one Friday afternoon, he had call, called me to talk, but I, he didn't say what we wanted to talk about, and there were no red flags or anything. So I told him, "Hey, how about we talk later when I'm done with school and some homework." Went back home in the evening, and he was no more. He had just hanged himself. And that threw me on a down spiral. I think it would throw anybody on a downward spiral. But, but why? That is the part that I didn't get an answer. Yeah, because, you know, I, I didn't get that chance to talk to him, and that's where my guilt came from. Did, did, you, did you see any signs uh, in the year that you were together running? or No, no. He was really having... A good time. School-wise, his grades were good. He was a six point, no, three point six four average GPA. So he was doing really good. Doing well. Yeah. And where did he move from? He moved from uh, Kenya. Kapenkuria is our hometown where we, we grew up in a small village together. But the closest town that you can find on the internet is Kapenkuria. Uh, and then, and then, how did you end up in Alaska? I was recruited to go and run at the University of Alaska Anchorage. I was in college in Kenya, and we were doing the intercollegiate athletics championships in Nairobi. 
So after I finished my 10K, that's a 6.1, a coach from U.S. approached me and gave me a little thing that now, this is the part that I'm just adding now. Then I didn't know what he gave me, but I think he gave me a business card and said, go online. And the words that I'm saying, I'm just putting it together now. I, don't, I didn't hear what he told me. I, don't, I didn't understand what he told me. Say go online and check our website. And if you're interested in our athletic program, you can apply. So I gave him my contacts, my physical address in Kenya. That was 2006 and left. But then I don't know where I put the little thing, that the card that he gave me. And so I forgot about that story. Went back to the village because I had graduated to, uh, as a teacher. I went back to the village and started teaching. Then six months later, my friend who had gone to the city to check the, because we have beer box. So he went to check the mail and called me and said, hey, Marco, you have a package from the U.S. I went, scam. I didn't say it, but in my head I'm going, I don't know anybody in the U.S. That's funny because when we get packages from Africa, we say scam. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, no, there's no way. Who in America knows who I am? Like, I don't have anybody I know in America. But then I said, okay, bring it, then we'll see what it is. The first thing that caught my eye was the logo that I had seen in that small thing that he gave me. I saw the double letters, the T. It was Texas Tech University. I saw it. I said, oh, wait a minute. I remember seeing something like this. The white guy that talked to me after I finished my 10K. Yes. So then it refreshed my memory, and I started knowing what it was before even opening it. Read it, and I was able to say, okay, this is not a scam. Then I started a process of applying to go to Texas Tech as a student athlete. But by the time I finished my application, they didn't have scholarships for me. But their coach referred me to a friend in Iona College, New York. But then the assistant coach at Iona College in New York had applied to be an assistant coach at the University of Alaska Anchorage. So he forwarded my application to University of Alaska Anchorage, or he recommended me, like, hey, talk to this coach from the University of Alaska Anchorage. And that is how I ended up in Alaska. And, and so now you're in Alaska, and you convince your cousin to come. Yes. And, and, um, and then you wake up one day. And he's killed himself, basically. Yes. And and so, um, how were you doing at that point? Were you were you thriving as far as your yes. running career and mm-hmm. grades? I, yes, I was an all American runner, been you know doing really really good. I had even ran a half marathon in an hour and seven minutes. Nice. So I was at my top of my college running career, but when that happened, you know, it was just. You blame yourself. Yes, because, so, you know, all the time we say, reach out. If you have a problem, reach out. Talk to somebody. And this guy, in my thought then, had reached out to someone. But that someone was not available at that time to help him. Even though he did not, you know, I, in my defense, I was still available. But the timing, I said, hey, I'll be there later. But in this life, every second... Now it happened to me. I had a friend uh, three years ago reached out on a Thursday or a Friday. Was looking for work. I uh, wanted to do something for Spartan. I was busy. I was in Asia. 
Uh, next day, he jumped off a building and killed himself. So, um, so I get it. So, so uh, what happens next? He, you find out he killed himself. Uh, now what? Now I was started to blame. I should have done this. I should have done this. I should have left. I, sh- you know. So that blame, you know, pushed me on. A, started to weigh on you. Yes, and I was just had a major depression, like really quick. He killed himself on February nineteenth of two thousand eleven, and by April that year, I was already hospitalized for major depression. Really? It was really. But you never experienced your whole life at that point. You never had issues. No, no. And in fact, that whole time, though, I was on a denial when people, you know, an African man. Doesn't get depressed. No. Ever. And depression is just this sign of a weakness. What kind of a guy gets depressed? Gets a mental breakdown. So I was like, no, I am not depressed. (laughs) This is a wrong diagnosis. Or just somebody was just making up something on me. Yeah. Yeah, I felt really strong in my head. And what, were you still running? Were you still going to school? Yeah, I was still going to school. I was still running. I was still doing my things. Yes. But I was, it was not, I was not doing it, just enjoying it. I was just doing it because, one, I was an international student then that cannot just drop out of school and stop running because then the next thing will be putting me on a flight and back to okay. Kenya. Right. So I was just doing it because... I just wanted to keep my studies and finish school. But at that point, there were so many things that I really don't know what was going on there. You're going through the motions. Yes. Then So, so I, now you're in the hospital. Now I am in the hospital. Just. And your family's in Africa at this point. You don't have any family. No, I don't have anybody here. It's just right. me just and my Kenyan friends and the university's system, the coaches and the staff. So, I, you know, a lot of support. But there's a lot of support on a guy who really doesn't believe on what he's going through. He's just thinking this is just some conspiracy theory, kind of. I'm not having... But after that hospitalization, I started realizing I re- I'm really in deep trouble. I need some... I, I knew I needed some help. Yeah. So I was hospitalized, and I... You know, not that nobody forced me. I accepted to take it. I said, yes, I need some help. Which a lot of people won't do. Yeah, so I went to the hospital. And I was in the hospital for 28 days because every time I wanted to leave, I felt like my thoughts were not, like, they were I was not safe right. in my own thoughts. And I felt, you know, and I was in a good environment, you know. You know, able to talk to uh, psychiatrists. I was able to talk to, you know, counselors. So that was good for me. And then I left the hospital. That summer I was struggling through the fall, went back to school. In November of 2000, November 6, 2011, I took all my antidepressants at once, an overdose. And I don't remember how many. I just, uh, I think... What was going through your mind right before you took- At this point, there's nothing really that I remember. I, I'm trying to help myself get through this dark moment. That's what's going through my mind. Like, okay, just one... Thing at a time. Let me see where this will take me. So take all the antidepressants and some oxycodones, five of them, I think, maybe three. My friend had had a surgery and he had some left, three left oxycodones. So I took them and went for a run. And then I really don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I woke up and I was in the middle of the woods and my legs were covered by snow. Luckily, my body was under uh, my upper body. 
torso up was under a tree. So I, my upper body, I was not covered with snow. Tried Otherwise to, you'd be dead. Yeah, so I tried to turn around like so I could sit because I was face down. Tried to sit down and I was not able to. And at that point, you know, I realized, and this is a strange part. My mind was so clear at that point. I knew exactly what would happen next. I knew if I spent 20 minutes there, I would be dead. And for some reason, I thought I saw somebody in my head. Somebody was walking towards me. And I got so scared and just tried to like get up like really quick and got out of there. But of course, I was in the woods. Nobody was there. I was able to get myself up with the help. You know, luckily I was in a wooded area, so there were trees all over the place. So I was able to use the trees to pull myself up. But when I stood up, my legs were so frozen that I couldn't even like, they couldn't support my body weight on them. But miraculously, I was able to walk and maybe five steps and I stumbled upon a groomed uh, ski trail. And then I just walked. Now this was easy because the snow was parked. So I walked, 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 and then all of a sudden I just walked to a hotel that was very close to the edge of the wooded area that I was in. And that is when I realized how long I had been out there. Because when I walked in there, the guy at the lobby was like, where have you been for three days? And I'm going, three days? Three days. Then... I don't remember anything after that. The only thing I remember was I could hear from the background somebody explaining to the other person on the other end, saying, you know, the UAA runner that was lost, he's here half frozen. And that's all I remember. Like, I don't know. I don't know who, I don't know if I fell. I don't remember. But I was able to walk, and as soon as I entered that hotel lobby, everything else just. The next thing I remember from that moment was my hands were really, really painful. And the doctor who was attending on me, trying to get my core temperatures back, was asking me what I was feeling. I said, my hands are really, really killing me right now. They're so painful. So he's like, how about your feet? I said, my feet are good. I don't feel anything on them. He's like, "Uh, that's not a good sign. You know, pain is a sign of life. But at that point, you know, there was nothing going on in my head. I said, you know, my legs are good. I'm not. Pain is a sign of life. That is my new tagline. I like that. So, yeah, the doctor was like, yeah, so they did some tests, the electrolyte to check my blood flow. And yeah, on my feet. Feet. No, no good. It was dark. There was no, you know, light. Or Tough anything. day. Yeah. Tough day. So that was November 9th. So November 12th, my feet are starting to rot. They're dead now. My toenails, you know, are starting to fall off. So the doctor walks to my room, just like, okay, we have to cut both your legs off. He didn't even, like, use any other language. He just said it that way. Yeah, he didn't say, hey, are you hungry? No, he's like, hey, Marco, you know, we have to cut he didn't even say amputate maybe that would have been a new term that i would have been like what is that so we have to cut both your legs we don't know how high yet but definitely we are going to cut them below the knee what's your immediate reaction you know my immediate reaction is like 
because I had seen my feet, and at that time I was a nursing student, so I had read much about frost, uh, frostbite, and gangrene, and so I, you know, I knew how bad it was because I had I could see my legs myself, and I knew based on my knowledge from school that if something is not done, uh, blood poisoning really quick, my liver, my kidneys are going to fail if n something is not done. So I knew that part that amputating my feet will save my life, but will make my future life really complicated. Because now, run, your whole life's been yeah, running. It's, you know, my legs, my dear legs, got me to travel across the globe to come from the equator and now to the North Pole. So I knew at that point that, you know, everything that I had worked for was done just at that moment. But then, you know, I said, well, one day at a time, the amputation day came, took me, I don't know how long it took, you know, they wheeled me back and I was asking the nurse who was talking to me, I said, hey, what happened? She said, what, what happened to what? I said, to the surgery, did they abort it, like something wrong? Say, no, they did it. I'm like, no, I feel my legs. Oh, they're like, oh, honey, you're gonna feel like that for a long time. Yes, there's something called phantom pain. You are having a phantom pain. There are no more. The surgery went really well. So after I got all off all the, the medications, you know, I, something really struck me, and that was my healing point. You know, I was blaming myself for not having listened to my cousin and not being there to help. But then I thought, if you really had control of things in this planet, what would be the first thing that you would control? Your own self. You would have saved your feet if you had control. You would have stopped yourself from going into the woods in the first place. Say, then there's no way I would have known what is in somebody else's head and being able to help them, like if he had just made that commitment of wanting to end his life. And that was my healing point. So, so uh, you, you and I talked a little bit before this uh, conversation, and you said to me, the big takeaway for you is win yourself. Is that what, is that what you're getting into here? Yes. yes. Win yourself first. So sometimes you're, or you're saying sometimes we want to uh, compete with other people, we want to uh, make some money, whatever. First thing you got to do, you're saying, is win yourself. Yes, because you are your, like, who do you hang around 100% of your the time? Yourself. Even when you're sleeping, you're hanging around yourself. If you cannot convince that part of you that you are this person that you want to be, nobody else will. You have to take that responsibility and take it really seriously. Because at that point in my life, I said, you know, you're going to be an amputee for the rest of your life. Are you going to wait and hold yourself to the standards on what other people say about you, or are you going to hold yourself to a standard that you're going to set yourself and say, you know what, I got this, I'm taking charge of myself, and I don't care what anybody else can say. And I had a defense. I say, hey, if people say this, is, this guy is crazy, then I have a very quick answer to defend myself. I say, yes, for somebody to lose their legs and bounce back, they have to be crazy enough to do that. All right. All right. I love this. I love this. Win yourself. All right. So, so uh, you're laying in the hospital. That epiphany occurs. 
How long did it take you to get out of the hospital? It took me almost two months. I was hospitalized on November 9th, and I got out on December 21. Okay. And, and then, and then uh, easy, easy peasy after that? It was not easy peasy after that. You know, I was fitted with these new walking devices that I had to trust. I've worn myself, but now I'm shifting to these new devices. I have to trust them. And a lot of people were telling me, you will be able to run again. And I said, yes, because now I can walk. And walking is a slower form of running. If I can walk, I can run. If I could walk, I could run. I love this. So when, you know, cause a lot of uh, physical therapy, a lot of occupational therapy to be an independent person. Mm, a month after that, I told my friends, I am not going to sit here and let you guys drive me around. I am driving myself. And the one thing, and I'm not saying this is what everybody should do, but this is what I did in the hospital. I took a cold turkey on my antidepressants. I said, I don't need any medication. I think I know what I need to do. I just need to be myself. I need to exercise more. Use the natural ways to heal myself. Get out there. Look at the stars. Look at the sun. Just ask yourself some silly questions like, where does the wind come from? Why do we have 24 hours in a day? Fun thing. Look at the mountains. Alaska has very good mountains. Like, look at how great those mountains are. Lots of therapy that way. So I do, took a cold turkey. But then, of course, you know, Taking a drastic measure like that, you're telling a doctor you're really getting really crazy. That, it w- that, but it worked. It worked for me, yes. And I'm not saying this is what, you know, this is what I did for myself. And it worked. So I was out there during my physical therapy and, you know, pushing myself, saying, you know what? And, and there's this difference that I really, really want people to understand. When we say push yourself, it doesn't mean you have to do crazy things that will hurt you. Like, you know, the doctor said, pain is a sign of life. Just push yourself. Are the several ways. And you know, that pain that you're feeling when you're running out there, you're doing your push-ups, you're, that's not going to kill you. It's going to make you stronger. So I pushed myself. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this and push myself to a new level. And there was one other thing that I knew had given me an additional advantage because we are all mad average because you've seen all the doors. There's a standard. Whatever measurement it is, I don't know what's a standard measurement for a door or a window, but we can all get through it. We are all average that way, but for you to be at this different higher level, you have to do things that are above average. And I said, one, for me now, I am above average by the looks in itself. Somebody looks at me like, okay, this is above average. This guy is working. This guy is working out. He's, he has a job and he doesn't even have legs. This has to be extraordinary. I said, yes, that is one thing that I'm going to. You got one check. Yeah, so I did that. And, 
you know, I was able to run and get back to running. You could run in the snow for weeks and not get frostbite no, in your feet. No, as long as I have my gloves on and yeah. all, as long as my upper body is well covered, I'm good. You have an advantage. Yes, on the cold, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I have an advantage on the cold, and then my budget also went down because now I don't even have to have socks. That's right. <laughs> no need for socks. Another advantage. Yes. Yeah, I like that. So I was able to get back to running, and that was like, I can't even explain how good I felt. Not running, but when I started sweating. That was the greatest feeling that I felt that I have my life back. I was able to sweat. I said, perfect. I am back to where I was, even though I was not running faster times. So got the running blades, and I became a blade runner did a lot of run and then I was able to I was doing my graduate school then I graduated my undergrad and then did graduate school so I was running with the college kids and I mean not just like behind them you know I was in front of them and that was so inspiring in so many ways because I know what was going on in their heads they were going man coach is gonna yell at me because how come you are behind somebody without legs and you know so it pushed them in a good way. So you became an inspiration. Yes, you. and I, yeah. you know, one the other thing I did was sharing my story because I said, I told myself, I don't want to have something to hide. I don't want to be putting pants to cover my prosthesis. I want just to live a free life. I don't want to live in custody of myself. So I just, you know, kids, you know, call me the a robot legs guy and you know that's all fun so i just shared my story with people i want somebody out there to know that yeah. and last year in a spartan event i was talking with lonnie and there was another speaker who said there is no ranking of trauma or challenges you can say my challenge is of this magnitude if it's a challenge it's a challenge we will address it you share it with fellow humans your will, there's a reason we are in this planet. Each one of us has something to offer. Share your story, somebody out there will give you the medication that you don't even need your health insurance to pay for it. I like that. What was the um, power of the mind, think like a champion, was one of the other things we spoke about. Let's talk about that. You know, the power of that mind, the, the mindset of a champion, was what I set myself from all the stories. That I, because, you know, beating that depression and coming out of it successfully, that's a win. I am a champion of... Getting out of the woods was a win. Yes. So, it's, you know, that mindset really pushes me each day in what I do. And I know, you know, somebody out there who is sitting there going... Well, spun race is one of the hardest races in the planet. And how am I going to do it? People sometimes ask me too, what is the hardest thing for you in life? The hardest thing for me in life is the ability not to try something. I cannot handle that. How can you just sit there and not try something and convince yourself that, oh, yeah, Spartan is the hardest thing in your life and run that in your mind without getting outside and saying, Spartan race is the hardest race in human existence. But 
I am going to test my human limits by doing it. You can't sit in your couch and justify that it's the hardest thing and then convince yourself that it's the hardest thing without trying it. Do hard things. I agree. Let's take a break. I'm going to have you run around with this uh, ancient kettlebell and then, uh, and then we'll come back because I want to I dive into how, how we get an average person to think like a champion. I know you're touching upon it here when you say uh, don't just sit on the couch and accept mediocrity, but, but maybe there's some tips and tricks. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. A lot of them. Check out this kettlebell. Oh, man. Today's episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Fresh Meal Plan, deliciously prepared meals delivered right to your door. Fresh Meal Plan has six different plans to choose from. They offer traditional, paleo, keto, vegan, lean and mean, and a la carte selections. No matter what you choose, you'll be confident that there are no artificial preservatives, no added sodium, and no artificial ingredients. Right now, they're offering our audience $50 off your first two weeks. Go to freshmealplan.com slash Spartan and use the code SPARTAN50. The Fresh Meal Plan solutions are an easy first step to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. With only the highest quality ingredients and multiple plans to choose from, they believe that you matter, and so every meal matters. One more time, visit freshmealplan.com slash Spartan and use the code SPARTAN50 to save $50 off your first two weeks. Okay, back to the interview with Marco. You're pretty damn fast with that kettlebell. I think you have an advantage with the carbon fiber. Well, yeah, I get, or maybe because I have very strong hands too. Very strong hands. So, so, um, how? What are tips and tricks we can give folks out there that are uh, stuck and they're not thinking like a champion? They're thinking like amateurs. What, what, what do you suggest? Uh, first of all, st- you know, there, there is this thing called, you know, proceeding from non to unknown. You know, you start from what you know, and then go to what you don't know. The first thing that people... Known, so, so proceeding from known to unknown. Yes. Taking that leap. Yes, because do the things that you already know. And then those ones will lead you to things you don't know. That, they will unlock your potentials. Yeah. So getting out there and telling yourself, I am doing the first step. And this is what I do all the time in my life. When I'm thinking about something, I don't put it on a planner and say, I'm doing this next year. Why would you do it next? How do you know you are going to be there next year? When I say, I want to do this, then I do it right right away. That's why tomorrow morning we're doing the Spartan race. Yes. So that's the first thing. Start with what you already know. People say, "Uh, I'm not a runner. But you get from your couch or your bed to your bathroom to your car. You are walking. So how about next time you reduce the time you're getting from your bed to your bathroom to your car and out to your work and out to your desk? Time yourself. Do it the, normal, the, the, the way you've been doing it. And then the next time say, I want to spend a half a second doing each one of my tasks. Get out and get to my work. Do it that way. Give, give yourself challenges yes. uh, the same way a champion would. Yes, but this is not like big, big things that's like... Oh, You're not climbing Mount Everest. No. Right? Just start. Get to your car faster. Yes. Park and three blocks further yes. away when you, when you go shopping. Yes. Do all those things. Right. Walk around your block. Go talk to your neighbor. Yeah. That way you're standing, speaking to your neighbor. Pick up some trash on your street. 
you, you know, they, you know, I, I can't afford to the gym, but what do you go and do in a gym? You go and lift stuff, you bend. You know. If you're walking around your neighborhood, picking up some trash, doing things, what are you doing? You're exercising, you're stretching, you know. Do those things. They're little things, but start them now. There's no other time. All those champions out there started them now. Can you imagine where Spartan would, you, would be? They would be today if 10 years ago before you started it, you had, you had told yourself, I have this vision 2030 of starting a Spartan race. Where would we be today? No, I, I agree 100%. I, I, um, I subscribe to this uh, motto of fire, ready, aim. Yeah. Because if you sit around and you think about it and you say someday, you've got a great point. Like someday may never come. Yes. Then the other thing that, you know, that power of mind and thinking like a champion is sometimes we sit out there and say somebody need to do something about it. Who is that somebody? You are that somebody who need to do something. We're sitting there saying, oh, hypertension, obesity, all this. Somebody need to do something about kids who are obese. Kids who don't get enough time recess. You can be that person. You don't have to go to school and change how they do it. But you can start a program yourself that you do it yourself and people see it and they'll copy you. There's always that say that say, success leaves clues. Even failure too, it leaves clues because we see it out there and say, see, so and so tried this, it didn't work. We've learned from it or so and so did this and see where it is. Very successful person. We've learned from that too. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So think like a champion. Yeah. Always think think. like a champion, take action, don't sit around. And if and if you think something should be done, do it. Yes, start it yourself. Be as be as people like, Oh, I'm never gonna be a CEO. Like, there are so many jobs out there that you can be a CEO of. Yeah, 11 years ago, people spun. What were you a CEO of? Yeah, no, I, I, but I, now yeah. you made it. You uh, made yourself that. I made myself the CEO. Yeah. yeah. So you thought like a champion. You said, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm not going to sit there and let humanity suffer and not test their human limits by doing this awesome race that will improve their physical health, their mental health, and their connectivity with their fellow humans. Because how many people have done Spartan races? They met at an event, and that friendship has continued. This guy is like a walking, talking Spartan billboard. He's unbelievable. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we met. All right, the third big thing we talk about is um, opportunities don't ring the doorbell. Yes. Explain that one. You cannot, or we cannot just sit somewhere and just fantasize on things and say, I wish I had this opportunity to do this. In Boston today, here in Boston, how many people know even there are a group of people out here talking about something? But if we go out there and present our ideas and say this is who we are and this is what we are looking for, those opportunities will be out there. We go and seek them. You can, we, you can just sit there and... Just go, oh, I wish somebody give it, had given me this. When I started running, 
marathons one year ago you know as an amputee as an amputee there are no the major marathons don't have um that platform for people with amputation like the competitive price money running marathons boston next year will have it but then i said you know what i have this philosophy in life it says as long as you do good things in your life somebody out there will recognize it you cannot just have good things in your head and not present it nobody we don't have mind readers that we can plug it on you and re- oh yeah look at how good this guy is thinking no you have to show it so i took that and ran marathon and i was surprised with the questions that people asked me some people would ask me so how much do you get when you on your last marathon i say nothing and say why are you doing it but then i said opportunities that are out there is not measured by the amount of money you getting if that is what we want to inspire the next generations that kid sitting in a couch i don't think that will inspire them how would you inspire a kid from a fortunate family that i have millions if money is the inspiration you will not inspire them or people would be like if that is the way i'm going to get my money then no that is too hard to get it that way so i did it because i just wanted to open opportunities for myself and for people like myself who do not have that platform i wanted to show them that you can get out there and seek opportunities yourself they are not coming to your house so i ran they don't, they don't come to the couch no no so i ran four marathons so before i ran my third marathon i received a text message and the text message said this is somebody from nike and we want to talk to you about an opportunity that we wanted to offer you had i not put myself on that start line of running marathons i wouldn't be a nike sponsored athlete today because how would they even have known somebody like myself exist so i got out of my house and went out there to seek opportunity and by the way the opportunities might be like far away and under a rock and through a thorn bush but they're out there. They are out there. They are out there. They, you know, I am a Christian myself and the biblical philosophy says the road to heaven is so narrow. Just like the road to success, it's very very narrow. And remember, has some dead ends. Too. Oh yes, and there are 7 billion people in the planet fighting for opportunities on that road. Yeah, it's not handed over to them. Can you imagine like visualize that road 7 billion people walking towards an opportunity how crowded is that road pretty crowded road very crowded it's not for the whiners and excuse excuses and those who are like really really good at making excuses because yes you make your excuse you go back to number i don't know what number would be to the 7 billion 
like what, 600 and You know what's awesome? I, I just had a visual in my head of that road, right? And there's a bunch of roads leading to that narrow road. And this road is riddled with excuses. And this road is little, riddled with couches, people that get, right? And there's only actually, when you get to that road, there's only a few people left. Yes. The ones that kept walking. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? And, yeah, it's those who kept walking. But then there's these other part too that people with excuses and like all of us, sometimes who would like want to justify things though. This is what we really need to get out there for, for those people to know. They are doing a lot of disservice to the younger generation. Because remember, every time you step out of your house, you are a role model to a kid out there looking out for somebody to be their role model. And you are out there with excuses. What are you telling that kid? that there are excuses to not doing things. There is a responsibility that we have to take too. You can't just sit down there and we can't just say, okay, yeah, if you don't want to do something, just sit there and suck and get as much weight on yourself or not being a successful person. But we also have to remember, we are here to make the planet a better place. So we have to inspire our next generation. We can sit here and say, What's happening to these kids nowadays? It's our fault. Yes, because probably they are looking upon us and what they are seeing is what has led them to live the life they are living. I'm not this old guy, but I have my kids and I try each day to show them compassion, you know, kindness, gratitude. Hard work. Hard work by doing those things myself so they can read it from me and telling them every day there are a ton of opportunities out there. It's you to step up and fight for them. Unfortunately, those opportunities are not just out there for you to go and grab them. It's not like a water station when we are running, you know, there's like a water station, you grab a water. It's not like that. So there's not, there's not like little shops, opportunity shops? No, you go knock on the door. Yeah, hey, I'm you here. Knock f- on the door, and then you don't even knock once. You have to be a nuisance to get those opportunities. You got to break the door show down. Show them all the time. Show up every day with. We should do that. a skit. We should do an opportunity store. All right. So, um, so what are you doing now, by the way? <clears throat> I am a marathon runner, so I run marathons, trying to break records and see how far I can break them down. Started last year, November, uh, New York City Marathon. Ran it in two hours and 52 minutes. 2.52. Then came to Boston, April, two hours, 42. Then went to Chicago and did it in two hours and 37. Where do you think you get to? What's your goal? My goal is to run it in like low 220s. 220s, I like it. Yeah. You could probably um, you could probably break two hours. Oh yeah, I can break two hours. Yeah, everything is possible. You know, they say no human is limited. Yeah, so I'm working on that too. You get there. Yeah. So and I also work in a prosthetic company. So I am a prosthetic technician. I help people make their feet, and you know, this is a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but like it's going to like going to a doctor, and he gives you medicine that he uses it so I, when I tell somebody this is really good it's gonna work on you and they look at me like yes 
this is really going to work because look, the guy is using working on. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're going to have you at the uh, para uh, championships we have out in Nevada. I think you're coming out to that. Yes, I am talking to a fr- we, you know, there's a team. We're trying to make a team with um, a team of amputees. Yeah. Trying to go out there and show people that, yes, there are excuses, but excuses cannot get you anywhere. Just when you think of an excuse, this is how, you know, you have to paraphrase that and say, I was thinking of doing this differently, but now I have to do it now. So just because you convince yourself that, oh, yeah, I have this excuse, I can't do it. But, like, what do you mean you cannot do it? Just because you look different? Like myself, no feet, or what is it? Right, break down the excuse. Break down that excuse. And the goal goal is to obliterate. And, you know, this is what I always think. You know, the amount, you know, you go out there and try and read. I, I sometimes, you know, they say articles about depression or a book that was written about this ch- I go out there myself and write hey articles about happiness like the, ha- what has somebody wrote about happiness and what has somebody written about not having an excuse because we convince ourselves on the negative sometimes but I try to convince myself on the positive and even no people I, I always tell people we were like, oh, Marco, you're always happy. You're always smiling. I said, yes. And it's genuine smile. It's genuine happiness because happiness is also a skill, just like positive thinking. You can, it's not innate. Nobody was born with it. You have to build it. You have to grow your happiness. You can't get up in the morning and say, look outside, bright there and say, oh, this sucks. And then come home in the evening and say, I had a worst day. You started by stamping it as a day that's going to suck. Happiness requires work. It requires yeah. practice. I like that. Just like you practice yoga, math, piano. Yes. You practice happiness. You practice positive thinking. Yeah. You practice to tell yourself yes. I love it. You're the man. I'll see you at the para championships. Do you want the rock? Should I give you the rock? Hesitant. You hesitated. You blinked. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was thinking of something else. I was, you know, when you gave me the rock, yeah. Initially, yeah. I had, you know, see where it was earlier. It was by you, so I was hesitant because I said, "Are you taking it back?" I thought you gave me the first time you handed it to me. <laughs> that was why I hesitated. <laughs> Not that I don't want to take it. I was like. I thought this was my rock already. Was that an unbelievable video or what? Was I right? Marco shows up on the farm a couple of months ago. He's got a brand new jacket he paid $3 for from Florida. And he is spewing out positive thoughts, positive energy. I mean, you hang out with him. It's almost like you wind him up and he just spits out sayings that make you think, what do I possibly have to be upset? There's nothing I could be upset about. This guy's unbelievable. And he's so inspiring. So like, I think it's a wake up call for all of us. If we're trapped in a house, we're trapped in an apartment, wherever we're trapped, however fearful we are feeling, here's a guy who had both legs cut off, two prosthetics, wakes himself up and some, his cousin killed himself. Come on. There's nothing, there's nothing we have to complain about. Somebody asked me today, somebody said, 
hey, Joe, do you believe in reincarnation? I said, you know, I want to. He said, why? He said, because I'm having so much fun with my life. I want to come back. I don't want it to end. A lot of people aren't having so much fun, right? A lot of people are upset at their situation. And I think, I think we own it. Whoever you are out there, you're listening, you're, we own, we are responsible to make ourselves happy and enjoy this journey because no one else is going to do it for us. No situation is going to do it. No material thing is going to do it. And Marco is a prime example of that. Anyway, I'm glad I got to share the story. Tune in, write a comment, give us a comment, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes and, and, um, let us be your accountability and resiliency partner because this is exactly why we do it. This is what we train for. Spartan Up! This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Fresh Meal Plan. Deliciously prepared meals delivered right to your door. Visit freshmealplan.com slash spartan and use the code SPARTAN50 to save $50 on your first two weeks. 